Kevin O'Banner has one more year of eligibility left at Texas Tech if he'd like to use it. Will he or will he head to the pros? We discuss it coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you have subscribed to our channel if you have not already. I'm Ryan Mainville. He's Emery Lida. Today we are breaking down the impending decision from Kevin O'Banner, who is the one super senior on this roster who can either use his extra year of eligibility or head elsewhere. I think that um, realistically, the most uh, high probability professional opportunity for him at this point would likely be overseas. But as we all know, the NBA draft can be a little bit unpredictable and things can change. But Kevin O'Banner certainly had uh, a bit of a down year compared to what he did at Oral Roberts. But the raw talent, I think a lot of people would argue, is most certainly still there and something that you could bet on. Yeah, it's really interesting because in some ways, O'Banner's season was a lot better than what he had at Oral Roberts. You look at his ability to finish at the rim. He improved his field goal percentage there by almost 14%. Defensively, I feel like his ability to move laterally and kind of cover guards and sort of be more switchable was something that we were worried about coming into the season. But over the course of the year, really didn't stand out as much of a negative. And so you had those things going for you. But yet, the big thing that everyone's going to look at is the shooting percentages and that no doubt declined this year. And I think that's one of the things that like, if you're looking at O'Banner's season as a whole, it's hard to get past that because he came into the season as a guy that shot 45% or almost 46% in Oral Roberts last year. It was a fringe 50, 40, 90 guy kind of on the verge of it. And this year he just didn't have that shot. I mean, he shot 33% from three, 76% from the line. Both of those were 10 plus percent decreases. And I mean, it, it was just very hot and cold from a shooting standpoint. Still took way more threes than anyone else on the roster and still was probably your best volume three-point shooter because Bryson Williams didn't really take all that many. But it was just very bizarre to see his shooting percentages dwindle and him still be a really effective player. I mean, all of the tracking metrics, all of his on-off numbers and everything would paint him as being one of the best players on the team. So it's truly bizarre to see him go through that level of shooting slump and still come out as one of Tech's best players. Yeah, his numbers dipped tremendously this year compared to where they were at at Oral Roberts. And of course, you have to account for the increase in in level of competition and the talent that you're playing against. But um, a 4% drop in overall field goal percentage, which actually isn't horrible. But I think the main thing that a lot of people will point to is kind of the the one stat that really plagued his season was the dip in three-point percentage. You mentioned it. He went from 46% on higher volume at Oral Roberts to 33% on much lower volume at Texas Tech. So that is quite the dip. Also dipped from the free throw line about 11%, about 4.1 fewer rebounds per game. Um, and then everything else kind of marginal besides the points per game difference where he fell about 8.7 points per game. But I mean, I think if you were looking at Kevin O'Banner at Oral Roberts last year and you're thinking, what is this guy going to bring to my team? You know, you're, you're really thinking that consistent three-point shooting, 
really good efficiency from the field. And I think um, before I become critical of Kevin O'Banner, because I do think that there are really practical things that you can point out as as weaknesses of his over this past season, his ability to kind of adapt his game at times this season and become a bruiser down low and really crash the offensive glass, I think made him um, a really, really good player for points of this season where, you know, if you're looking at some of the other guys in college basketball and you ask them to just completely change their game to try and find a way to continue to find minutes and, and be in that starting spot, it's a lot more of a difficult transition. But Kevin O'Banner, I think, really adjusted well to crashing the offensive glass and kind of generating a lot more of his offense than he was used to um, on the block and near the rim. Yeah, and it should be noted that he was never really like a pure stretch as and he did nothing other than shoot the three. But certainly, I mean, you look at his ability to shoot efficiently last year and shooting almost 46% from three, high volume pick and, pick and pop type of center. And this year, the shots just weren't falling. And I also think Tech's offensive structure had a little bit to do with that. And the ball handling just wasn't there to be able to run as much pick and pop. And so in some ways, he was naturally going to have to adjust his game. Now, the catch and shoot looks that he was getting probably weren't quite as good as what he was getting at Royal Roberts. I do think that had a little bit to go along with just him naturally shooting the ball worse. But certainly, I mean, O'Banner's a guy that over the course of the season, I mean, he went from a guy that everyone expected to be a three-point flamethrower to really, at the end of the year, he was so valuable on the offensive glass. Like you mentioned, I mean, you're talking about a guy that in the NCAA tournament had three straight double-doubles, which is difficult to do, especially in a scheme like Tex and in a time where he really wasn't the only big on the court at any one moment. So for him to be able to get that many rebounds, be so active on the offensive glass, and really, I mean, there were entire games this year where he fueled his offensive run through the offensive glass. I mean, looking at what he did against Notre Dame, where he had seven of them, which we'll get into individual performances later, but like that one stuck out to me. Like if you would have told me that there was an NCAA tournament game that O'Banner won, not because he was able to hit six threes or something like that, but because he was able to just outmuscle opposing bigs, get to the line a lot, really just enforce himself down low. I would have thought you were crazy because there are two other guys on the roster in Santos Silva and Bryson Williams who that fit that mold a little bit better, and you would have expected that. But, I mean, O'Banner's a guy, like I mentioned, shot 70% at the rim. For a large portion of conference play, he was shooting over over 70% from two-point range, ended up at 65%. And really, I mean, he somehow managed to be one of the most efficient players in the conference. I mean, a true shooting percentage almost at 60%, despite his shot really not falling at points. I mean, he shot 30% from three in conference play. There was a time when he was under 26% for a good portion of conference season. I mean, it, if you take out really his two best games, which we won't do because that's part of the sample, but if you take out a couple of games, there was a 16-game sample where he was under 25%. Like, that is ridiculous. And so for him to still be as efficient as he was speaks to his adaptability. I don't think he was a perfect player. I think there's still areas of limitations, particularly on the defensive end, but also offensively trying to create his own shot. But still, I mean, just the adaptability, the ability to be a bruiser when the shot wasn't falling, it was really impressive. And I know some people are going to look at his shot and just assume that he was a disappointment, but I think his ability to adapt and still be a positive player was extremely important to Tech's success this season. Well, I certainly want to give him kudos and credit for um, kind of adapting his game to that style of play because I think that it was a difficult thing for him to do. It's hard not to see the deficiencies in the shooting and kind of um, just question what if, you know, what if he was the player that uh, you you thought you were going to get whenever he was coming from Oral Roberts. And there's really one area in specific that I want to hone in on because I feel like 
Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who still managed to be almost a 34% three-point shooter. Like, he did not have a perfect year, um, but he was still a guy that provided a lot of value for you. And so, um, I mean, we we talked about this over the course of, of the season was this massive drop-off in Texas Tech's offensive numbers at home versus on the road. And while I certainly think that there are a lot of factors that go into that, I think one thing cannot be overlooked. Kevin O'Banner at home shot 29 of 73 from deep. That's 39.7%. On the road, just 8 of 36 from deep. That's 22%. You're talking about one of your best three-point shooters just completely disappearing. And so I think that's kind of the number that I look to and I go, oh, oh man, what if he just shot 36% even? Um, in games like Kansas or in that Iowa State game or um, the Kansas State game or the Oklahoma game. I mean, that kind of drop-off, I, I think, clearly reflects some of the offensive struggles for Texas Tech on the road this past season. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's entirely an O'Banner-specific problem. I certainly think, like I mentioned throughout the season, that the way the Tech Ram offense and some of the deficiencies you had from a ball handling standpoint certainly impacted the amount of clean looks that O'Banner was getting. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that you struggled a little bit more to get those clean looks on the road. Certainly you had games where the offense just was really stagnant, wasn't flowing well, but at the same time, it also just goes on O'Banner to kind of shoot better. And I think that it, shooting is very much a variant stat. I mean, you're talking about 36 attempts on the road is not a particularly representative sample. I mean, if he was to make his next four, for example, you're suddenly talking about raising that percentage almost by double digits. So it's a really crazy sort of, um, it's really crazy kind of what small samples can do, but at the same time, it paints a good picture. Like you mentioned, text road struggles. And I mean, I don't know. I don't think that O'Banner was like impacted by the road environments. I feel like he's someone that's played in big games throughout his college career. I mean, his best games of the year arguably came in some of tech's biggest moments. I mean, like I mentioned, we'll get into the specific games later, but he had some really good games against top-level competition. So it can't just be that he was kind of rattled by the environment, but it's it's confusing. I mean, this whole season from Tech offensively was confusing, but O'Banner's random shooting slumps at one point, again, like I mentioned, he was under 30% in conference play. So for him to be, I mean, struggling that much from shooting after having the season he did last year, Oral Roberts, it's confusing, but still ended up being an effective player and the adaptability is something that's going to stick with me for a while in terms of what he was able to do this year. Yeah. Here's the thing about that sample size. I don't think it would be fair for us to, if we, you know, get news that Kevin O'Banner is coming back being like, Oh, be ready for Kevin O'Banner to not shoot well on the road because he didn't last season. Um, I don't feel like it's fair to make projections based on the size of that, but I do fair. I do feel like it's fair to say, that's the sample he was given, and he shot 22% from deep. And you just can't do that. I mean, this is a guy that you were relying on for so much of your floor spacing. And so while we may ne- not necessarily want to make projections based on it, it's really hard to look at Texas Tech's offensive struggles on the road and think that those two things are not correlated. So um, hopefully, you know, if Kevin O'Banner returns, he kind of finds a way to turn the corner a bit on his road three-point shooting but despite that slump he did have a number of good games I want to highlight a few of those after a quick word from Built Bar this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my new year's resolutions but not this year 
I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar products. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these, they are better. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart, you'll be blown away. They're high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, low in carb. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some of your own. Now for a big announcement starting Thursday, April 28th. Tune into the Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Audacity in Locked On's NFL Mock Draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show all week leading up to the first pick. Pretty massive decision coming from Kevin O'Banner, whichever way he decides to go, whether that be the pro route or um, returning back to Texas Tech, exercising his extra year of eligibility. Emery, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about the positives of Kevin O'Banner because there were certainly a, um, a lot of games where he did a lot of good things for Texas Tech, but I was terrified um, from really the Tennessee game all the way to the Kansas game at home that this guy was just going to struggle to um, play against high-level competition. I mean, in those seven games, just 6.6 points. Uh, he did manage to grab over six boards, um, just 20% from three, 66% from the line. Did shoot 60% from two-point range, which was on par. But that game, especially the 2 of 11 in the Tennessee game from deep, I was a little worried about what Kevin O'Banner would look like for the rest of the Big 12 season. Man, I I mean, I won't lie. I had some doubts going to my head, but at the same time, I remember this is the same dude that dropped 30 on Ohio State in a tournament game and dropped 28 against Florida. And, like, I know that it's different teams, different composition. Oral Roberts played a really up-tempo style of basketball, have multiple really good ball handlers. But at the same time, shooting is shooting, you know? O'Banner, generally speaking, during that stretch, was able to get mostly good looks. And for whatever reason, they just were not dropping. And I certainly think that the shooting slump scared me throughout the year because you never knew when O'Banner was going to have one of those cold games. And certainly, I mean, the Tennessee game, shooting 2 of 11 for 3, well, some of those misses weren't even close, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was rough, but at the same time, it was kind of the mixture of like, we're being worried about what's going to happen if he doesn't write the ship from a shooting standpoint, which he never fully did to be fair. And also just being like, you know, like you just have to trust that this is a dude that's played in high level games has been the best, arguably one of the best players on a team that won those high level games and dropped 30 in a tournament game, which pretty much no one else on your roster can say. So it was a little bit worrying, but at the same time, you just kind of had to trust that he was going to get over those early season months. Over the course of the first 13 games of Big 12 play, shot just 27.1% from deep on just under four attempts per game. You were kind of starting to scratch your head and wonder, you know, how does this guy fit in offensively if he's not making shots? And then he goes out and he has what I think is easily his best game of the season against Baylor in Lubbock, scored 23 points grabbed 13 rebounds, six of those offensive, shot four, seven from deep, eight of 13 from the field, and he did it all in just about 29 minutes. Uh, that game was really, really special, um, became 
only the third Red Raider since 2010 to have a six offensive rebounds and 20 points in a game, joining Jay Crockett and Jordan Tolbert. And, I mean, just a really, really strong performance from him in that game. It really felt like, okay, he's going to find a way to right the ship, and he's going to find a way to consistently fit into games, even when he's not making shots. I mean, he did make shots in that game. He made four of them. I think that was the second most he made all season but he also proved that he could be a force down low and score reliably uh near the basket and so i think that was the game where i uh really began to get more confidence in what he could do when he wasn't just on the perimeter yeah the the baylor game was one where he started out cool and only had i think two points in the first half and the second half absolutely carried tech's offense and he had a ridiculous stretch in that game but at the same time i mean that game really showed sort of how he could adapt, but I'm going to take a look at the Texas game because I think that game at home was really the first time all season where we saw the real flamethrower Kevin O'Banner, the guy that could light up, light it up from beyond three-point range. Started out 5-5 five of five from three in that game, missed a heat check. I think he missed one more at the end, but, I mean, he kept Tech's offense alive in that one. I think the Baylor game is a good example of kind of what the absolute peak performance of Kevin O'Banner looks like with someone that – can both hit the hit the deep range three at a high level and also be a bruiser inside because I think there were times where he kind of utilized both. But the Texas game, I mean, you want to talk about a game where he absolutely just lifted his offensive performance up to another level. Not really a big game from him inside. Inside only took one two-point shot, which he missed. But that three-point ability that he was able to show in that Texas game was special, and Tech needed it on that night because, I mean, it – I'm not going to say the game was in jeopardy by any means because you had guys like Kevin McCuller that we talked about yesterday on yesterday's review that had a huge game there as well. But certainly O'Banner being able to hit those threes, including one that was a ridiculous 28-29 footer. I mean, that kept Tech ahead in that game, kept Texas at arm's length and really just sort of showed what O'Banner can do when his shot is going full blast. One thing you definitely um, were sold as advertised with Kevin O'Banner was his play in March. In the month of March, averaged 11.9 points per game, 8.7 rebounds, shot 50% from the field, 42% from deep, 54% inside the arc, and In March, Kevin O'Banner phenomenal. Uh, arguably your best player at times, I think. I mean, Kevin McCuller played really, really well for points, but to go out and average nearly a double-double score in double figures every single game in the month uh, and then get at least six rebounds in all but one game of March, it was really, really special to watch. 
Yeah, and you look at the individual performances there. Obviously, you had the three straight double-double games, and you take in as well the fact that he scored those. He had the double-doubles against um, Ohio State, Ford, and Arkansas at his time at Oral Roberts, having six straight double-doubles in his NCAA tournament career, which I believe broke a record that was held by Shaq at the time. And so he had a really good sort of – he had a really consistent effort in his ability to crash the glass and be effective scoring the ball. Certainly, again, the three-point shot kind of was a hit or miss for him throughout the month. I mean, he had a couple good games from three. Obviously, I mean, taking a look at the game against Oklahoma in the Big 12 tournament was kind of the one where he really set out. But also, Duke, he had a pair of threes. But for me, the big standout performance was the Notre Dame game because he ended up with 15 points, 15 boards, seven offensive rebounds. His ability to crash the glass, get offensive rebounds and putbacks was really impressive. And again, is for me one of the highlights of this year just because I talked about the Texas game showing what Pete Kevin O'Banner's a flamethrower can do, the Baylor game being a combination. This was on the other end of what can Kevin O'Banner do when he's just purely a bruiser. And it was impressive because he bodied Notre Dame in that game. And really, I don't think Tech wins the game without him. I think his ability to control the glass, get those offensive boards, and putbacks kept Tech in the game despite having kind of an outlier game finishing at the rim and shooting from deep. All right, we will discuss Kevin O'Banner's impending future because he has a big decision to make. But first, a quick word from Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home, and you're going to save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is also a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, so go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, at rockauto.com. Big decision from Kevaner coming up. Whenever he decides to make it, he's got another year of eligibility left if he'd like to use it at Texas Tech or he can pursue a professional opportunity. He could also enter the transfer portal if he'd like, um, but then he would likely have to sit a year um, depending on if he gets granted a waiver or not. Um, but right now, I don't really think that's a possibility for Kevin O'Banner. At least it doesn't sound like it's an option for him. I think right now we're really looking at a decision to either return to Texas Tech or go play professional basketball, either in the NBA or elsewhere overseas. Emery, how are you feeling kind of based on his decision and what his potential options are? I think out of all of the decisions that we've talked about this offseason, O'Banner's is kind of the most clear-cut in the sense that it really comes down to if he wants to go make money right away, he's got a role he can go play overseas. They know he's a stretch big. He's got the tools. He's got the ability, a professional body. He's not going to take much development. He could go make upper-level six-figure salary playing overseas just like that and start his overseas career kind of with a bang. Um, so he has that option on the table. I don't think he's going to be getting too many NBA looks. He could get a summer league. I don't think that's out of the question and maybe an, an E10 contract as well, but not something where he's going to be really 
threatening an NBA roster too much. I mean, he could surprise us all, but I think that more than likely his best route would be overseas for the time being, um, looking at it from a professional side because he's got that skill set. Not a whole lot of development going to be needed in terms of him being able to fit on an overseas team. So that's one side of things. And if he wants to just go ahead and get right to making the money, there's really not a whole lot of projection involved there. I feel like it's a pretty set in stone path. He'll get offers. He'll get that opportunity. The other side of things would be if he wants to run it back, give it one more shot attack and just try to improve on something, whether it be tangibly improving his ball handling and kind of adding a little bit of an extra dimension to his game, becoming a little bit more fluid as a switchable big. I think that's some one thing that tech system really allows him to show off that could be valuable if he wants to turn it into NBA career. But more than anything, if he wants to come, come back to college, I think it's purely a pride thing and purely down to he feels like there's more that he can accomplish in his college career. He has a chance to get to the final four. And I think that's just going to be down to his relationship with Mark Adams and kind of how he sees the team evolving. But for me, I mean, I guess what makes this decision a little bit different than like Shannon's or McCullers is there's really no question about role because if he comes back to tech, he's going to have a defined role as a sports placer as a big, that's going to have an integral, be an integral part of the lineup. And overseas, he's going to have kind of the same set role. He might obviously play a little bit differently, have different minutes, whatnot, but he's got that tangible skill set that's going to be there regardless. So from a development standpoint, there's really not a whole lot that he can, that he's sort of having to like figure out. So I think in that sense, it's, it makes sense. I personally would guess that he's probably slightly more likely to go overseas, but certainly I mean, all of the options are still on the table. I don't think he's going to transfer. I think that's the one thing you can safely rule out because A, you'd have to go through the headache of getting a waiver because he already transferred from Oral, Oral Roberts, and B, I don't know what other systems can offer him really better opportunities outside of going back to the mid-major level, which just seems like a step back. Yeah, I feel like the question at this point is, does he want to make more money? And, and does he feel like he has anything left to prove? Um, if he wants to make more money, it seems that he'd be more likely to do that overseas and, and being on a base contract rather than pursuing NIL opportunities. And um, if he feels like he still has something left to prove, then by all means, he should come back, have another great march. Um, but I just don't know if that's really the case at this point. I will say... Uh, between the three guys that we've talked about in our performance review so far, um, being Shannon, McCuller, and O'Banner, I'd probably give O'Banner the highest probability to return to Texas Tech at this rate, and, and probably like even at any point over the course of this offseason. Um, but I still just don't really know how high it is. I feel like he could make good money overseas as is, um, and I just don't know really what else he has to prove at the collegiate level. Um, he entered the NBA draft after last offseason, which I feel like a lot of people forget. Um, got a lot of feedback from scouts, and a lot of it was uh, become more than one-dimensional, get a little bit more athletic, be able to put the ball on the floor. Um, and I don't think we saw that at Texas Tech, and I just don't think that um, he's going to have a better month than he had in that in that run with Royal Roberts and that's not a knock on him or on his ability but that just felt like peak performance man like something you really only get once in a lifetime but the decision is up to him I, I feel like at this point he he's got a clear-cut route to play professional basketball and make good money um, but there's also you know as you mentioned a very clear defined role for him in this team he played played and started all 37 games last season. So 
um, a guy that would certainly have not only a roster spot, but a high spot in the rotation if he were to return. Yeah, that's what it's going to come down to. I really think it's just individual preference from O'Banner. I mean, at this point, you have basically a four-season sample size on what he can do at a high level in terms of shooting and then also kind of some of his limitations as a self-creator and from an athleticism standpoint. And I certainly think that there's room for him him to improve, and certainly we could see that at a college level. But at the same time, I mean, like you mentioned, that three-game stretch for Oral Roberts in the tournament was about as good as you're going to get from – a guy like O'Banner and I don't know I mean on one hand I'd I would say that the ego side of it would be like well maybe he could get further in tournament certainly he has another he would have another opportunity to go through a whole big 12 gauntlet put up performances like he did against Baylor sort of show out hopefully get some better shooting variants and shoot the ball better next year and maybe have some better spacing better ball handling but at the same time I mean it's hard to argue against the guaranteed money that's out there and the guaranteed opportunity to make money overseas where he can certainly make his mark. And even if he wants to pursue the NBA route, I think that he could kind of latch on and try to go that way as well. So, I mean, there's, there's different avenues professionally. I agree with you. I think he's the most likely of the three to go back to tech, but I also think that's in part due to the fact that the other two and TJ and, and McCuller had such convoluted situations had kind of complexities about their sort of situation with TJ was the fact that he was injured so much. He kind of struggled to fit in. He'd already kind of used up his ability to test the waters in the NBA draft and get the feedback. So it's kind of do or die time for him. For McCuller, it's sort of what does he want to be as a player? So like you don't really have that question with O'Banner. So I think that's just kind of by nature of the situation. And it's going to be down to what does O'Banner want from his career? What does he want to start up with next year? And I mean, I still just get the hunch that he's going to be going overseas or starting in the G League or something of that sort, but you never know. I mean, the option to go to Tech is still an intriguing one, and certainly he would have a role, like I mentioned, and I think that's can't be overstated. And if you're looking for some reason for optimism, you can't say that about a lot of players. It's very rare in this day and age of college basketball to have a guy where you can look at his situation and pencil in exactly how he would fit in in the roster. I think you can do that with O'Banner. Whatever his decision will be, we will provide coverage on it right here at Locked On Texas Tech. So be sure that you follow our feed wherever you get podcasts. Be sure that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel for video editions of our podcast. And you can also keep up with us individually on Twitter for our breaking analysis. You can follow me at our main LBK. You can follow Emory at Eraser41. And then to be sure that you never miss an episode when it goes live, be sure that you follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Until then, thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.